Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Pairs on a Pod. This is episode 16, and we have a very, very special guest to join us for this ep. But firstly, I shall introduce the man that has more Twitter accounts than Twitter itself. Hello, welcome to the show. Hey, mate. That's an interesting one. More Twitter accounts than Twitter itself. I'll give you that. Yeah, but, um, thanks, mate. Yeah, very excited to be back again. It's good to have you on and back ready to go. But we shall introduce our special guest straight away. He played... 20 games for Port Adelaide. He's played for three different clubs, including uh, Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs. He was a runner-up in the McGarry Medal. His brother was also on Big Brother. I shall speak of Nick Lower. Nick, welcome to the potty. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. As, well, I, as I said, you're off-air. I uh, certainly feel like you must be scraping the barrel having me on, but it, it, it is nice to uh, relive the footy career once again. Uh, it's always good, mate. We're delighted to have you. And um, we did put a bit of a shout out, out on um, our Instagram about um, certain people that you'd love to see um, interviewed on the pod. And Tommy Logan was straight on to us mentioning your name. We're just oh. like, let's go. Let's do it. Of course, so, of course Tommy was. Of course he was. <laughs> He's responsible for a lot of things that happened in my life, Tommy well, Logan. <laughs> we'll definitely ask you about that quite shortly. But firstly, what have you been doing since your playing days ended, mate? What have you been up to? Mate, well, it feels like a long time ago since I pulled on the boots professionally, but um, lots happened since. So I've sort of, as you said, played for three clubs. So as a result of that, moved around the country. So I think it was 22, I left left Port. So born and bred Adelaide boy, got on a plane and shot over to Perth for a few years, which was great. Um, and then eventually made my way to Melbourne, which um, post-footy career stayed in Melbourne for a long time. And when I was playing, as you mentioned, I've got a twin brother, Ed, he... Uh, he had a pretty hopeless career as well and wound up at sort of 20, 21, 22. I think he retired with a knee injury, but he fell into sports management. So he uh, he obviously took on my contract. You can't say no to that, although it wasn't much of a payday for him. But um, sort of the one the, the, the one um, thing that he really pushed was that you had to work on your day off. So uh, he got me into commercial property and um, I, I used to do a day a week at, at CBRE as part of one of the AFL programs that they had. And um yeah, sort of the, the career started from there. So it so really fell in love with commercial property pretty quickly. And um, I was really fortunate because when I did end up sort of exiting the game for good at sort of 25 or whatever it was, um, sort of work, walked straight into a job the next Monday. So, um, mate, it's been good. It's uh, it's taken me here, there and everywhere. I now live in Sydney with with my beautiful wife and, and couple of kids and got another one on the way. And um, yeah, hey, yeah well thanks, got a little football. Now. I've got two girls who, of course, can play AFL, but um, we've, uh, we've we've just found out we're having a little boy. So hopefully uh, maybe a, it'll definitely be a Norwood boy. And, and who knows, maybe a, maybe a Port Adelaide boy as well. <laughs> Interesting combo, Port Adelaide yeah. and Norwood. <laughs> I, know, I know. It was always a difficult one to uh, to fight myself over internally. But um, no, you know, I was very, very lucky to have played for the club. Uh, talk about, we just spoke about Norwood and Port. You started 2005 all the way back uh, at Norwood. Tell us about those days and working your way towards an AFL career. Oh, man, I mean, I look back on, on my days at Norwood as a kid and working my way through all the junior systems. And um, I've got such fondest memories of, of, of Norwood as a footy club. And obviously the rivalry with the Magpies was such a big thing growing up. And, you know, it, it was a big thing the day that came where I, um, the, num- the, the name was called out the draft to, to be a Port Adelaide player. It was, it was sort of a bit confronting going down to Alberton. But um, look, Norwood was fantastic. Unfortunately, when I was there, we didn't have the best of successes. We, we were sort of uh, cellar dwellers for quite a while. Um, Matty Thomas, Dave Roden, we, we, we all used to trug our way out to training knowing that on Saturday, if we didn't play for the power, we were playing for Norwood and probably going to get smashed. But... Um, <laughs> 
you know, fortunately, I did have one year where uh, I, it was the year after I got delisted, actually, from Port. I ended up having a complete year out of AFL, which is, an all, is, is a story in itself as to why that happened. But um, I managed to play for Northern 2010, which was the year that Nathan Bassett came came to the club and he, he really turned things around. So, you know, unfortunately, he lost in a, in a grand final to Centrals by, you know, five points or something, I think it was in the end. So pretty bit of way to finish but um you know look back at the club now and what they've gone on to do post post my time there and um yeah really 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 proud of nord and what they've managed to achieve yeah we'll take you back to 06 as well like your first season um in the afl system and your debut against the doggies um yeah yeah what, what was it like that year and then making your um first first start but it was um you know it was the introduction to the afl was always pretty daunting i still remember my very first day of training um and it was funny, I'd, I'd known Choco um, not directly through footy. He actually lived next door to my grandpa, um, oh, directly oh. across the road. So to be honest with you, when, when my name got called to play for Port, I thought, geez, this is going to be easy. He lives across the road from my grandpa. He can't not <laughs> um, But gee, I was wrong. I'll tell you what. Um, so I rock, rocked up to day one of training at, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it, in, in the city, just, just outside of Adelaide, where we did a lot of pre-season. And my first training partner was Logues, who'd, who'd obviously just come off a list of, of Brisbane and was, you know, working his backside off to, to, to try and get on the rookie list. And um, yeah, I mean, little did I know how good a runner he was and I got paired with him and he was really showing me up. And then we, I still remember we, we got paired up to have a kicking session. It was literally just kick to kick, but I was so nervous. I was just grubbering every ball and, I looked over at the coaches and they all thought, I, I could see it in their eyes. They thought, they thought shit, who have we just picked up? <laughs> uh, you know, 2006 was an interesting year because obviously 04, we've, we've come off the, the grand final and 05 was a bit of a readjustment. And then two, 2006, pretty quickly, we're rebuilding a list almost. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, I think it was round one, around two, maybe not round one, but round two, I think I was in the squad to play. And, and again, it was probably gifting me a game because we we're a real bit rebuilding. But um uh i had to go back i didn't uh, i think i can't remember i may have been an emergency but went back and played in nord and snapped my thumb and Ooh. that was sort of it for, for for 16 weeks or something so sort of first first year was a bit of a disappointment but once i got over that injury was fortunate enough to make my way back into the team and play but yeah look that was really just giving me a taste so um you know, 2007 was was obviously a much better year for us we obviously had an amazing draft that year with who we picked up and um you know, I think back about 2007 and it was a really funny time for me personally because the team was going so well and um, I, I'd, I'd always had Michael Wilson as my mentor and Wilbur, you know, was probably 56 at the time and everyone thought, when's, <laughs> when's he, when's he going to retire? And, and, and of course, you know, for me, it was pretty clear if, if Wilbur didn't play, I'd be playing. But um, he just had a great run that, that whole year and he was always so good to me. He was always really um, you know, pushing for me to get selected. But... Again, I don't know the numbers, but I think I'm having about 17 or 18 games as emergency and could, just couldn't break into the side. So um, it, it was a good year to see the, the, the team go so well, but, but obviously a frustrating one personally. So, um, yeah, there's, there's some really fond memories of the club. Um, obviously, just didn't, didn't play as many as I would have liked. Breaking your thumb, well, snapping your thumb, rather. How did you do that? That's I've got gosh, a, that's grim man. ass. Yeah, I've got, I've, if you remember the brick wall at Norwood Oval, that's still oh there, yeah, we there was a big oh. tuss, there, there was a big tussle on the wing, and I think I was trying to be a hero and sort of like I think I, I sort of hit my thumb on the wall and it snapped oh. right back, and I had plates and all that sort of stuff put in my thumb. Oh. Anyway, it wasn't it wasn't fun, but um, yeah, 
I survived and it's, 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 it's you know, all, all good to this day. But it's, again, it's those little things that you think about, think, oh, shit, if it had, had that not happened, what happens with your career? Not, not that things went downhill from there, but it would have been <laughs> nice to, to start the team a little bit earlier. But, um, yeah, as I said, some, some really fond memories of the club. You did make your debut against the Dogs in Darwin, of all places, yeah, making your debut up there. What was it like playing in Darwin in general? Because obviously it was through that, those years, there was a lot of games played yeah. uh, between Port and the Dogs. What was that like, especially for your debut? Mate, it was bloody slippery. I remember, like, I, I still remember there's a great photo after the game of uh, me, um, Bence, Matty Thomas, and I can't remember who the other one was. Um, there was four of us who debuted in the last couple of, couple of weeks and could have been Logues actually in, in that photo. And um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was great to have that win. I, again, I can't remember where we were sitting on the ladder, but it certainly wouldn't have been high. And, and the dogs were obviously a, a, a pretty strong team back then. And um, I mean, some of the players that you got to play against that day that eventually some of them, you know, I, I ended up being coached by when I eventually went to the dogs and, Guys like Crossy and 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 um, Smithy and Ryan Griffin and and these blokes Higo, they're all guys that at the time you have a perception of other players. And I still remember on the field my, my first game, Daniel Cross really getting stuck into me, and that that sort of stuck with me my whole career. I had a couple of tussles with him when I went to Freo, and then eventually became a teammate. And he's a lovely bloke, and him and I <laughs> go on like a house on fire. But it's just funny what footy clubs do to you and you obviously, um, you know, stick to the pack and, and, and the blokes that you play with. And I just remember that night was one of those games where pretty testing conditions, but, um, you know, all the older blokes really took control of that game and won, which is fantastic for your first game. Do, do you remember what Crossy said? Oh, mate, he's, he's got a wicked tongue on him, Crossy, and he's bloody quick-witted. So I remember, I can't remember what we did to him, but he, he had a thing for me and my brother. Like, I remember my brother used to get in big tussles with him too. So, again, we're, I, I don't know why. So like we were imposing players or, we, we, you know, ta- players that you'd target. But, yeah, we, uh, we, we, we used to have some great little tussles verbally and physically. So it was fun. And a couple of weeks later, like, Another physical sort of game showdown and yeah. win against all odds. What was it like? Like your third game, you're playing in a showdown. Yeah, well, mate, you know it's, it's hard to describe showdowns to people that aren't from Adelaide. And and again, mm. I was fortunate to go from showdowns to derbies, and um, they've yeah. got the same sort of atmosphere. You know, like everyone, the whole town's on edge about who's going to win. And again, same thing. We 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 certainly weren't pipped to be um, the winner that day, and really physical game and. Um, again, we were all fortunate. I still remember guys like Brogues and Don Cassisi and the Corns boys, you know, playing their part. And I think we were, that, that back end of the year, like we, we, we were struggling and we were just sort of blooding some new players. And um, I think the, the one thing that Port always had the advantage of is the, this sort of gritty, older group of players that sort of knew how to win. And um, they were really demanding too. You know, you, you, everyone's obviously got their own opinion of what Dean Brogan's like, but, you know, on the field, he's a pretty demanding bloke and um, he's nothing like that off the field. He's a pussycat off the field. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just, I just remember that. They, they were great fun. And, again, to get a win in, in your first showdown, it was huge. So, um, you know, great, great memories once again. You came in um, in a year of pretty much transition. There was a lot of uh, changes, obviously, with, um, Treaders coming as captain. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Choco as coach, but also Gavin Wanganing retiring. What was, uh, as a whole, that period, especially with Treaders as a leader, what was that like? Um, I, I still remember Gav that year, and, and I grew up sort of idolizing Gavin Wanganing, and then for him to become a teammate, I still remember 
can't remember where we were, maybe Caloundra in, in, in Queensland was where we had the preseason that year. And, you know, I remember Gav being sort of the older statesman of the team and actually not training that much. And I thought, geez, it's pretty good preseason when you get to, you know, your late 20s, early 30s. Um, <laughs> but, you know, did probably didn't have an appreciation for, you know, all the knowledge around you. And, you know, I, I just remember guys like Daryl Wakelin and Michael Wilson and, um, you know, Toby Thurston's and guys that have been around the club for a long time, taking the time to sort of explain to you um, what it means to have a long career. And, you know, again, it's only now I'm 35 and you sort of think uh, about some of the advice you were given. And I, I still remember Daryl sort of always saying, just take, take a breath, take in what you're doing, ask questions of people. But at the time, you you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old kid and you're, you're, you're a million miles an hour. Um, but yeah, that was a really interesting year, um, especially you know t- with with Treaders taking on the captaincy and what that involved, and sort of a lot of the media hype I do recall um, about what was going on at the club. You don't really get a really good insight until you're there about how much it can actually affect. No, not just individuals, but the club itself. So um, yeah, it was a pretty whirlwind first year, to be honest. And like I said, you said that like you emergency many times. How close were you to potentially pulling on the Guernsey for the grand final? Oh, mate, it's, uh, look, Choco might tell a different story, but I can tell you after, uh, so, so the prelim was interesting because in the prelim we played, played North Melbourne and I don't like to say it, but my brother was having a pretty good year that year as a second year player coming off a rookie list. Um, and I was either going to a grand final to watch my twin brother play in a grand final or to watch, watch my team play. Um, and as I said, Norwood weren't a fantastic league side, so I had to play reserves or it could have even been I wouldn't have been 19. So it must have been reserves and uh, just to keep fit and, and obviously got the um, the green light from the SNFL to do it. Um, so I I wasn't at the game for the first half and I can't remember who we played, but um, I got to the ground at halftime. And as I walked into the rooms at halftime, again, I can't remember who it was, but someone came up to me and said, mate, you know, I can't believe it, but you, you're going to be playing in the grand final. Because we, we were miles ahead, I think, at halftime. Mm. And uh, you know, I said, oh, what's happened? I said, mate, um, Will was done his Achilles, yes. and 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 the whole year it was if Will was not playing, you're playing. Um, so yeah, I still remember sort of the feeling going shit, your heart sinking, all that sort of stuff. And then look after the game, obviously we had the win, and and, and I remember Choco and a couple of the other coaches sort of coming up to me and patting me on the back, and and then you know you know when the week starts playing out, you, all AFL players would know this sort of when Monday and Tuesday roll around, you sort of know if you're playing the next week because main training session, sort of the main team and, and, and the reserves guys are, are, are the witches hats almost. And for the first time that year, I'm, I'm in the main team on grand final week. And yeah, it, it was a surreal feeling for a couple of days. But then um, I think um, Choco must have had a moment of clarity and thought, shit, what am I doing? Putting Nick Lara in. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden I got a, I got a very sheepish, sheepish phone call from him. Um, and look, it was a bittersweet moment because the bloke that, that ended up going in was Brad Symes, who's a great mate of mine. And, um, mm. you know, we were really, we, we had a really tight group of friends there and still do. And, you know, again, I can honestly say it was obviously disappointing, but, you know, I still remember Symes calling me and he, he he was genuinely upset that I wasn't playing. And, um, you know, I was really pumped for him that he was. So, um, yeah, look, it's an interesting one. And I do I do remember the day itself. It was, it, it was, um, I still remember the first quarter we were winning at quarter time, and I thought, you know, shit, you know, it's going to be hard to to, to miss out of you know, being a premiership player. But then, obviously, as the game game draw on, and the, 
the score sort of changed. So I thought, oh, gee, maybe it's not a bad one to miss. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was that, that was really the only game. There was a couple of other games here and there throughout the year that I was close, but for, for various reasons didn't break through. So, yeah, 2007 was an interesting one because obviously Bokey, Robbie, Westy and all those guys coming into the team and, you know, it's pretty rare for so many first-year players to have, a, uh, to have an impact. It was pretty special and pretty special to look back on. Yeah, and Simesy handled it well. I think went to the Crows not a few weeks yeah, after. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, we, I mean, we can get into it later, but we organised the footy trip to Phuket that year, and that's probably one of the last Thailand footy trips I let you on. And uh, still remember being on the beach, the whole team with with Simesy when he got the phone call, and none of us knew. And he sort of hung up the phone and said, "Shit, you know, no one punched me, but I, I, I'm a crow now." And we thought, oh, <laughs> so it was, it was, it was, it was bloody surreal. So I got my dog going nuts. Well, no, anyway, he'll, he'll bugger off. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, it, it was it was really odd actually, because um, back then you didn't actually have that many trades. Like I remember, you know, three, four trades a year, and um, you know, you sort of sort of saw them coming from a mile off. So um, it was certainly pretty odd for us all to be a part of. It was a funny year for the club, two thousand and seven, because again, I don't think everyone expected the rise to that level post what sort of two thousand five and six was. So. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we couldn't take it out. And probably more unfortunately, we couldn't get on a run for the, the, the years to follow that. But um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was pretty special. What was the off-season like after that 2007 granny? Going into 2008, was there a lot of optimism and a lot of, um, all right, that's happened, let's go into 2008 with a big yeah. year again? Mate, there was. Like, I, I remember pre-season 2008, sort of everyone, you know, you sort of, feel it when people come back in good shape and you sort of get a sense that people are determined to um, turn a corner. And I mean, obviously making a grand finals, are, you know, although, although we're there to win grand finals, making a grand finals a pretty good year as well. Um, so there was a lot to hang your hat on, but being young, I think um, everyone just expected that things would probably continue in that, in, in that trajectory. And um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the pre-season comp that year, I remember I played most of that pre-season comp, which, for me personally, it was. I was hoping that was a sign that I'd have one of those years that I, I, I play more regularly. But um, now we had some strong form going into the season. But yeah, look, as the season played out, it, it, it just didn't really go to plan. So um, it's always a hard one to sort of get a sense of you know how the team's tracking because obviously we had so many young players that probably played well and truly out of their skin in 2007 and not, not just identifying the first years, but the guys probably like first to six years that, that had really good years and, you know, guys like Sal and Chappie and all those sorts of guys. Um, and then, yeah, it's always hard to, to, to back it up, especially when you're young. So um, yeah, it was, it, 2008 was a very, very sort of uh, well-measured um, pre-season, I remember some of the sort of planning that went into the year ahead, but again, just uh, didn't correlate, unfortunately. But you got you got the entire second half of the season as well. A lot got games. So how did that feel to sort of actually get that consistent run going, probably for the first time in your career? Yeah, mate. Uh, again, as a player and, and, and anyone that's played, sort of will understand the comment. Until you play regularly, you know, it, it's it's pretty common to not feel completely a part of it all because the, the reality is you don't get to play the most important game of the week. So, um, yeah, look, it, it was sort of, for, for me personally, it was um, it was that first time that you feel fully invested in the club in, in its entirety. Um, but, yeah, again, you know, like I, I was always sort of 
um, flagging myself as a midfielder and sort of most of the games that I played at Port was sort of deep in defence, which which I really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, there was always this sort of feeling for me that um, being out of the team wasn't very far away. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I probably didn't get the full consistency of, of, of run until I got over to Freo, but I sort of think about that now and I was a much more you know mature player and um, you know, I'd, I'd been around the traps for a while. So it's um, it's funny, sometimes that clicks early and sometimes it takes a few years to sit in. Did you feel that same feeling in 2008 coming into 2009 as well? I think coming into 2009, I certainly felt like it was going to be a challenging year for me to stay on. Like, again, the, the one thing that Choco was was always really honest. Um, and again, you know, you don't have to be a scientist to understand that, you know, if you don't have a, a full year of games, especially if you're not injured, um, that at some point your time's going to come to an end. So probably the hardest part for me was you know, having a twin brother, especially in those first four years. Like Ed and I were sort of chalk and cheese. He, he rocked up at a club that, you know, back then, you know, no kid at 18 years old wanted to get drafted to North Melbourne because they had no facilities, they had no money, they were really struggling with the fan base. Um you know, and Ed had to do it the hard way. He went through a rookie list and, and, and made it to that club. I still remember they had like demountable classrooms as their change rooms and stuff. That's like right. that. So it was, it was really tough. Um, but for him, it, it, it was the perfect club. He was playing and, uh, you know, when we'd have calls, you know, it, it, was, it was sort of chalk and cheese of the journey. I, I, I wasn't a regular and he was. Um, so, yeah, it'll take 2009, you know, form was still good in the SNFL. And it's, I, I sort of always found for, for various reasons that, SNFL was always a, a league that I could find my top form in. And for whatever reason, I couldn't replicate that at top level. So, um, yeah, it, 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 again, I had its challenges, but, you know, I was, I was fortunate to have a pretty good, pretty good support base around me. And, um, you know, having a guy like Michael Wilson as your mentor and continue mm-hmm. to be your mentors, a, a pretty good sounding board to have. Yeah, coming towards the end of the time of your time at Port, like, did you sort of know the writing was on the wall or was there talks about moves to other clubs or what was it sort yeah. of like? It would, be, it would be tough. Yeah, mate, it was, it was. And again, um, I never saw myself leaving Adelaide, to be honest. Um, but as I grew to the end of my career or end of my time at, at Port, it was, it was sort of funny. I made a comment earlier about trade season. Well, 2009, um, I was talking to North Melbourne a lot about trying to get over there and play with my brother. And... So we talked about the strategy about how that would look and going through the trade period. And um, that was the year that Favola moved. And there ended up being about, I can't remember, but it would have been you know 16 to 20 odd yeah. trades. And, and it was a lot for that period of time. There could have been more. And uh, I still remember that, that that period speaking to Justin Reed, my manager, about it all. And I mean, naive kid, I, I just assumed that I was playing AFL somewhere next year and um, I think there was even an offer on the table from Port again, but I mean, it wasn't, wasn't overly attractive. Um, and then, yeah, by the end of that period, I, I sort of got the, the, the call that nothing happened and the reality set in that I'd, I'd not be playing AFL, which, yeah, that, that was tough because I, to, I look back at that time and that's not what I was expecting. I was expecting to end up somewhere. Mm. Um, and yeah, it sort of got overlooked. So I had to sort of, you know, pick myself up and sort of strategize about what the next 12 months looked like and, you know, I had to go and get a job. You know, I, I, back then, I, I don't know what, what's happening in the SNFL now, but back then, um, you know, they, they, they were paying well enough and giving you decent jobs at the club, but mm. I wanted to try to do something away from football as well. So, you know, I worked, worked in an accounting firm and 
you know, I was at the club a couple of extra days a week doing some stuff for Norwood. But um, yeah, the whole plan was getting back into the AFL. And, and I was really clear about it. I was going to give myself 12 months to do it properly. And if it didn't work out, I, I'd, I'd happily play at, at state league level and, and move on from there. So again, fortunately, it worked out. And probably a big part of that was that, um, you know, Norwood went from a cellar dweller to, to a title contender. So that, that, that probably helped a lot as well. You did mention, obviously, the 12-month break. Going into the Mary, uh, McGarry medal, runner-up in 2010, you made a bit of a statement. <laughs> Is there any chance you thought throughout the night, oh, I've got this one? Man, I remember back then, they used to give you business class tickets to, like, London or something. I remember my Ooh. girlfriend at the time, who's not my current wife. <laughs> I, remember, <laughs> I remember she heard that. Her name was Molly and she gave me a bit of a hit and her eyes just lit up and all of a sudden she was into the whole night because before that she couldn't get less. But um <laughs> yeah, it was like it was cool. in, it, yeah, yeah, typical. I know, I know. Um but no, uh, look, I mean, I, I I you know, no one likes to talk talk about themselves too much, but I you know, I'd had a good year and um it, you know, it was really nice to see the team have a good year as well because going into that count, you had guys like Paul Piopolo, Nick Digan, Kieran McGuinness, who went on to be captain. Yeah, these guys that all were playing great footy. Um, mm. Brett Zorzi, who, who you know, he, he was a fantastic SNFL footballer. Um, you know, everyone was sort of being talked about as a chance. So, um, yeah, look, I mean, you know, to, Matty Thomas went on to win it, and Matty's a good mate of mine. He sort of rubs it in that he won it and I didn't. But, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, look, it, it, at one point you think, geez, I'm actually a chance. I remember the last couple of rounds were pretty nervous. But, um, you know, if win it, don't win it. I, I much would have rather won a premiership the week after, um, yeah. which 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 didn't eventuate. And, and I look at the guys that I did play with at Norwood that did go on to win premierships, and I'm certainly very jealous, jealous of them. So... Um, yeah, it's a nice thing to talk about, but you know, other than you guys and maybe my mum and dad and brother, no one really remembers who comes second in the McGarry Medal, unfortunately. <laughs> we do our research. Put, yeah, it's not something you put on your resume that anyone cares about. Oh, I'd, I'd have it right at the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And then the move to Freo, like that's that's so good. Like, how did how did that all sort of happen? Like, because did it happen quickly or did they keep yeah, an eye throughout the year? Completely out of, well, out of the blue only because I was I was set that I was moving to GWS. Um, Chucko oh, had gone over there and I think he'd, um, he must have felt bad about what had happened previously. And so he was, <laughs> he, he was speaking to me about, um, you know, get, assisting getting me over there. And there's some other coaches involved at that club at the time that all wanted me to move, just looking for guys my age that had a bit of experience. So, and I remember at one point looking, starting to look at houses and stuff in, in Breakfast Point and getting sent all the documentation about um, GWS as a club and, and all that sort of stuff. So, it, yeah, that was that was almost certainly happening. And remember they had the first few draft picks um, in the rookie draft and, and I was told that I was going to be one of those and that didn't happen. Um, so then I pretty much closed the computer and I thought, oh, well, I'm not getting picked up because I hadn't been speaking to any other clubs. Oh. Um and then I got a phone call from David Walls 20 minutes later, who was the head recruiter at Freo at the time, and said, mate, welcome to Fremantle. And I thought, shit, Fremantle, <laughs> that's not part of the plan. Um, so so off, off, off I went. And, you know, Freo, to me, was always a club that I did have a lot of respect for. And probably for me personally at the time, at that age, that obviously proven that they'd brought over, a, you know, rookie rookie pick players, mature age players, and and, and obviously turned them into, um, you know, regular players in the team. So, 
you know, as soon as I heard that that's where I was heading, um, you know, I, I was certainly pleased about it, but but, but it was nerve-wracking to move over to Nullarbor and move away from Adelaide for the first time. And Mark Harvey was a coach too, so what was he like? Yeah, I, I loved Harvey. I, I only saw him the other day at the airport, actually, after a couple oh. of seeing him, yeah, on a business trip, but... um. Mate, he was he was great to me, and you know I, I think um, for for any AFL footballer, they've all got a level of talent. Sometimes you just need to find a place that sort of suits the way that you play, and have a coach that at that right time, you know, um, likes the way that you play and what you offer to the team. And that's certainly what I had with Harbs. He um, he was a great supporter of mine, and you know everyone else that was involved um, in, in in sort of the coaching panel were were really good and so sort of I walked into that club um, in a bit of a weird stage of the club there was a lot of young guys that were mm. younger than me I reckon they could have been close to half the list were younger than me and I was only 22 um, then there was sort of the top end like your pabs of the world and Luke McFarlane's and then there sort of wasn't a huge amount of guys in the middle so I mm. sort of automatically fell into that middle range guys like Garrett Gibbetson and even Nick Subin who was only a year or two younger than us sort of were seen as middle-aged players so um yeah, it was great. I mean, moved over there, lived with Byron Shammer and a guy called Clayton Henkley for, for about six months. Oh, yeah. Sham's an ex-Adelaide boy, so that they were great at sort of showing me the ropes and showing me what to do and what not to do and all that sort of stuff. So that that was great. great. But then um, after, yeah, four, four to six months, I moved in with Mickey Barlow and, and, and lived with Mick ever since. So, um, yeah, I really, really loved my time at Fremantle. What was the um, first game coming up against Port Adelaide? I think you played around... 12 or 13, back at Amy Stadium. Yeah. What was that like? Oh, and mate, it was, um, I was only having this chat with Logues the other day. We, we, I was in Adelaide and had a couple of beers with him and we were reliving that night or that day. I, I can remember it, but Tom can't. I remember we had a tussle on the wing, which I thought was a bit of a joking fight, but he was taking it serious. So, um, <laughs> and he doesn't remember for whatever reason, but that's not, that's not uncommon. Um, and it was, look, I mean, for me, obviously, I, I did, the people asked, oh, did you feel like you had a point at the prove? And yeah, I did. I, I certainly felt like I wanted to, um, you know, make a mark on that game. And it was the first time I'd, I'd really played forward. I'd, I'm certainly not a goal kicker. And I think my stats that day probably prove, I can't remember how many shots I had, but a few, and I only kicked one goal. I think I kicked one goal four or something and probably a couple out in the fall. So, but, but um. You know, good to win, and it's really strange playing against you know good mates of yours. I can't remember who played, but you know, Logue's definitely played. Matty Thomas probably played. Don Cassisi probably played. Chad and all those guys who, who I'm really close with, and you know, it's funny running past them and then giving you bumps, and you know, then they know what I'm like, and you know, I, I can get stirred up pretty easily, and uh, yeah, you, they're all taking advantage. I played on Chappie, who, who you know, I ended up being a, a groomsman in Chappie's wedding, um, you know, years before that, and so it was, it, it was strange, but um, nice to get a win, but it's also strange walking off the field seeing your mates a bit disappointed. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it was, it was good. It was a good day, all, all in all. Yeah, only Brownlow much of your career too. Yeah, good yeah, no, yeah, no, I didn't want to say that. I'm glad you did. But yeah, <laughs> uh, it's the only time that my name's ever going to get read out by the CEO of the AFL. So um, yeah, it was a good day. We were all pretty happy about that win. And the club at the time, we were a young team trying to push towards finals. I think we were probably, you know, 12th, 13th, 11th, somewhere around that part of the ladder. So we had a couple of really good wins that second half of the year at Frio and, and, and very much unexpected wins too. And then Ross the boss as a coach. Yeah. Well, what was, was he like? 
Mate, he's um, I mean, in terms of coaches, I think it's pretty hard to look past Ross. Like, um, the media, you know, certainly make, makes a point about his style, and you know, he demands a lot. And and I still remember the first day that he walked into the club and he brought up, right, <laughs> um, he, he brought up, he brought up all of our three K times and skin folds and all these other stats, and yeah, you know, there was some pretty impressive times and stuff on that on that list. But he um. I can't remember if he brought up the St Kilda times and equivalent um, statistics, um, whether they had names or not. But um, I mean, they were far better than ours. And he just pretty much from from that second that he just ripped everyone apart. And you know, everyone doesn't matter if you're Matthew Pavlovich or the first kid through the door. Um, he he just demanded um, excellence. And I mean, that's what that that's what he eventually got from the entire team. So. Um, look, Ross and I had a bit of a love-hate relationship. When I say love-hate, I'm certainly not one of those players that talks back or anything like that, far from it. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the end of my first year at Frio, I'm playing Collingwood at, um, at Subi and uh, I ended up getting reported and suspended for four weeks for, uh, for hitting Dale Thomas. So I sort of started the year on a suspension and then I also had a had a shoulder reconstruction and that ended up getting a bit more complicated than it should have. And I ended up missing the first half of the year as it was. And, um, you know, Ross is one of those guys, he's pretty structured. And, you know, by then it, it was certainly pretty obvious that, that, you know, the team that he wanted to play was going to play. And um, he was really big on sort of the medical side of things and ensuring that players were looked after so they could play consistently throughout the year. So, um, yeah, again, I, I sort of found myself in a, um, in a dubious position where, almost halfway through the year when my shoulder's ready to go, I uh, came back into the side and, and uh, sort of the riding already was on the wall. So um, disappointing, but but again, it certainly doesn't sound my time there. But I really enjoyed learning from Ross and, and sort of, you know, what, what he expected of people. And um, obviously the club was in a great shape um, in, in the years ahead under his, under his um, tutor. So... So Daisy Thomas, I can't even remember the incident. What'd you do? You just smacked him in the head. It was uh, it was like that year was when head high contact really came into the game, oh, yeah. and he um, <laughs> Daisy actually pinned off Gary Kibbetson about five minutes before, and Gaz went off with Gaz. Did, actually did his shoulder in that incident, and it was a really sort of you know blatant, obvious, just take him take him out sort of hit. Um, and halves being halves was sort of yelling at everyone to go after Daisy. And um, again, it was a stoppage on the wing and I just yeah, ran through and I mean, he probably wouldn't remember, but he had his head over the ball. I just ran straight through him and um, pretty stupid. And then, and then I contested, uh, I think I got three weeks and then I contested it and they gave me four. So um, <laughs> yeah, so that wasn't fun, but yeah, you know, I think that was the second last game of, of well, that yeah, that was the second last game of the year, and then I, I didn't play the final one. I don't think I can't remember, but anyway, that that, that was my last game for Freo. No, oh, sorry, no, it wasn't. That was my last game for Freo under halves. So things changed pretty quickly the following year. <laughs> yeah, ended up going to the Bulldogs. How was that for yourself? Uh, well, that was the first year that the delisted free agency came into play, and um, I had just organised the footy trip for Frio to go to Hong Kong and <laughs> we just got back and two days later I got a phone call from Chris Chris Bond um, with footy op, head of footy ops and um, and and Ross and they said mate you've got to come into the office and I thought oh, shit what have they found out about footy trip <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then uh, I walked in and I knew pretty quickly that it wasn't to do with that. So I was pretty relieved. And then, um, yeah, I ended up having, yeah, I can't remember the detail, but it would have been probably a two-hour meeting. And I, to be honest, I got blindsided. I'd, I'd signed a, a, a two-year extension um, just before Ross had taken taken the head job. And so I certainly wasn't expecting to not be there for my um, third year at the club. But, uh, yeah, we had some pretty blunt conversations about probably where I sat in the pecking order and, um, you know, Ross had said to me at one point that, you know, I might put you back on the rookie list. And, um, you know, I'd been through all that. I was, I was, you know, I was a 23 or something at the time, 24, and um, certainly seeing myself as mature. So I, I had a mature conversation with him and, and, and disagreed with him. And um, we sort of left that meeting. It was all amicable. And mm. I'm, I'm, I'm very amicable with Ross these days. We, we, we still speak from time to time. But um, it was clear that there probably wasn't going to be a spot for me the following year. And, um, it was probably only hours after that, um, you know, I, I started getting a few calls from my manager, just sort of laying out what the options were and, um, you know, what, what this delisted free agency was. And then um, Jason McCartney gave me a call and he was sort of really great to me and, and really sort of close confidant of mine at, at Fremantle. And he'd just taken a role with the dogs and he hadn't told the club yet. And um, he said, look, I'm going to be leaving and, you know, I'd love for you to come with me. So we started looking down the avenue of going to the dogs and um, a couple of weeks later that, that, that all happened. So happened pretty quick, to be honest. And it was a pretty new, um, you know, again, part of me was like, oh, you know, do I have to get delisted again to, to go to another <laughs> club? Um, but it was just the way that it worked. And I, I can't even recall exactly how it all worked, but, you know, a few documents signed here and there. And I think Fremantle had to pay a little bit of my contract, I believe. But, um, yeah, you, I mean, look, for, for, for a player like me, those sorts of avenues were were great to extend your career. I mean, without that, probably I, I don't get the chance to go on and play more games and, you know, play my 50th and all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, those, those sort of... Um, avenues that the AFL have created have been fantastic for, for longevity. Hello. Mm-hmm. Should we get into Big Brother? Absolutely. Here we go. This is where we talk about uh, a few footy trips, a few people that you may have roomed with over on the away trips as well. Nick, so uh, why don't you fire away a couple of stories about uh, your time, specifically at Port Adelaide, about your footy trips and uh, you know, who you roomed with? Well, I, I when I was at Port, I always always roomed with with Tom Logan. I was on. It's been unfortunate. My first year at Frio, can't remember if you. I'm sorry, Frio. My first year at Port, it was the year that we did. At the end of that first season, we went over to London to play an exhibition game against yeah, Geelong. That's right. And I'm I'm spewing to this day. I am um, Barnsley, the doctor. I'd had problems with my calves the whole year and. We talked about surgery options and just it was it was agreed that it probably wasn't necessary. And then my twin brother went in for an operation on his calves, and we had this problem with our fascias, and we had to get a release. And anyway, the doctor of North Melbourne at the time, after my brother went in, picked up the phone to Barnsley and said, "Look, the boys traditionally have the same sort of injuries. Ed's calves were pretty bad. I reckon you should probably send Nick in." So I was getting ready to go to London, and about two days before. I got the phone call from the club saying, mate, you can't go. You've got to go in for surgery. And I hadn't even had any tests or anything done. And so yeah. that, that, that put me out and I'm still, I'm, I'm still so upset about it. Cause from what I hear, it was a pretty amazing, amazing trip away. Adam Kingsley actually, King is took 
probably five or six of, and I was meant to be one of them, away about five days before the game. Or maybe it was probably a week before the game, actually, and, and they went all through Europe and oh. some pretty great stories for, for kids that were sort of 19, 20 with a, with a bloke of Kenya's age. I think he would have been 27, 28 at the time. So he led them astray, but I probably can't repeat too many of those stories. But, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, the big one for us was we went to Phuket. Uh, no, we went to Koh Samui in Thailand, and that was my first sort of overseas trip, actually, as well. And, I mean, to be honest, it was just absolute debauchery. For anyone that uh, was on that trip, they'll they'll tell you the same. And Primus had just gone into a pro- coaching role either that year or the year before. And like he was quite a senior coach at that time. And I think Maddie had said that, oh, well, I better go along with everyone just to make sure that there's no trouble. <laughs> I, reckon, I, reckon, I reckon Mattress was the most trouble at the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like, I, I won't name names, but a few blokes ended up in prison for a an night, and there was like, there was there was a few things. I remember Peter Road had to get on a. He was considering getting on a plane at one point to sort out a few problems that had happened, and it was um that was a, that that was a pretty good one. But I reckon the best the best footy trip uh, story that I had, um, and I'm sure you know he may not listen to this, so I probably won't get back to him. But it was actually when I was at Freo, we went to Hong Kong. And Lockie Neal had just started that year. And Lockie's a beautiful young boy and didn't really know the world. And uh, he, he, he's great fun on the field. He's great fun off the field. And Mickey Barlow and I sort of organised that trip with Hayden Ballantyne. And um, <laughs> we uh, we were the older statesmen. Like we had, we, I had the credit card that everyone had paid money on and I was in control of that and sort of paid the way. And uh, I remember the first night it was, you know, we just got off the plane and there was 25 of us or something. And, you know, we, we, we painted the town red and we woke up the next morning and like Lockie's private school boy hadn't really seen the world and he'd certainly had too many drinks and he came knocking on our door the next morning and he just looked white as a ghost. I was like, mate, what, what's wrong? And he came into our room and was like, oh, fuck. And I was like, what, what's happening? And he sort of lifted up his shirt and he bloody woken up with a tattoo on his chest. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the story goes, I can't remember what it, you know, he said, oh, I think he's like, mate, and it's this Chinese symbol or something. And said, oh, God, that's what happened. He goes, mate, oh, I can't remember. I just woke up and he, you know, he said, do you know what it means? He goes, yeah, yeah, no, it means, it means like life or love or something like that. And we're like, okay. And then, you know, the next day you roll into drinking again and everyone's having a good laugh about it. And at some point he went up to some Chinese bloke and said, oh, mate, so what does this mean? It means love or life, right? And he's like, no, nah, it means like cow or something. <laughs> so he's got this tat, just, he's still got it. He's got this tat just on his chest that he got on a footy trip. So that was, um, that was pretty oh, good. Yeah. That is sensational. Yeah, yeah. Oh. The Brownlow medalist. So. <laughs> Out, yeah. something like that. Lockie would t- tell the story better, but yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty funny. Oh, that is terrific. I'm sure his mum was not happy with him. <laughs> Cow, yeah, that's oh. exquisite. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mick, speaking of Big Brother, we shall touch on the subject. Ed in the Big Brother house. <laughs> yeah, I thought this what, was coming. What, yeah, he definitely <laughs> was lined up. Um, what was that like for yourself, seeing your brother? On oh, mate, it was pretty embarrassing, to be honest. I was, still playing, <laughs> I was still playing footy, so I was at the Dogs at the time. And I mean, the only teammate of mine that didn't give me shit was Tom Williamson, who was really into the show. He was the only one that didn't. He, he, Tommy was right into it. but um, And actually, Griff, I think, from memory, I can't remember. But everyone else just gave me shit. And uh, I, 
fortunately I wasn't playing. I'd, I'd hurt my shoulder again and I wasn't really playing by that stage sort of did look like my career was done. So, I mean, at first I was pretty dirty on, well, not dirty on him, but I was certainly pretty embarrassed. But um, <laughs> as he sort of went through the weeks and I don't know how, but as that show, you know, got more and more viewership and became bigger and bigger as the weeks progressed, I thought, well, my career's done. I might as well ride ride his coattails for a while. So, um, I mean, I was I was front and center as soon as he came out because you might remember back then they used to sort of tour Australia and go to nightclubs mm. and do all that stuff. And I was young, single, and all those things. So it was um it was a bit of fun for me at the back end of it, but um <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing for the whole family whilst he was on it. That's terrific. Uh, Oh, I couldn't That's imagine what I'd do without a family member, big brother. I think I'd... Oh, yeah, <laughs> I've seen him, a couple of days not. He, um, <laughs> he, um, you know, the one thing that all of us said to him, you know, not please, just please don't get a relationship and, you know, do anything sexual on TV. And of course, that's what he did. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's good. Phenomenal. That's yeah. very, very good. Um, Ardo, should we do random port match? Absolutely. All right, Nick Lord, Brandon Portmatch. This is where we have stuff lying around the house that uh, maybe is a little bit of value uh, that might be a bit random in in a household that's random Portmatch. And Hutto, you're going to kick us off. All right. Um, yeah, I went digging through the Guernsey cupboard as I usually do, and I found this uh, absolute masterpiece of um, Guernsey. It is a oh. old red training top. Training top. Yeah. God, that brings back memories, isn't it? Yeah. So. <laughs> I think that was for the I think that was for the B team, so I would have worn that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) It was match one. (laughs) But yeah, so um, some bloke ended up selling it years ago. um, That one and the black one, which I also have. um, Oh yeah, twenty five bucks each. I I, I just noticed it didn't have the little GPS pocket on the back, so it must have been must have been sort of two thousand and six, maybe. So someone either has voluntarily bought that, or um, and so have I. And taking it, so yeah, there, there go. we go. Brings back uh, memories. Nick, what was? Uh, do you have any random port merch besides the lovely jacket? Besides the jacket, wearing? mate. The only thing that the thing that just came to mind. I don't, I don't know where it is, but um, remember the uh, that that they had that thunderbolt. I think it was just for a one-off game. They had this. Like, oh, it was a horrible jersey. He was like, <laughs> it had this like thunderbolt through the middle, and then sort of like lightning strikes on the side. Oh. Um, it, yeah, I've got that one somewhere, but I mean, it's still, it, it, I still chuckle thinking about the Guernsey today that they wear, which I, I really love. And it came, you know, we used to do that round a year where a supporter could, you know, design a Guernsey feel. and, the, and yeah. then you, you win the comp and you wear it for the game. And I mean, we had some good ones and we had some bad ones, but I mean, the the, the Guernsey today, and I know there's been some slight abbreviations, it's, it's, it's based off one of those winners. So it's, mm. um, yeah, I mean, there's been some there's been some interesting merch around the place, but I think for what I have in the story shed, that's um, that's probably the winner, the disgusting Thunderbolt Guernsey. <laughs> <laughs> I will was say, that one of the, was that one of the Planet Hill ones? The big yeah, chicken? yeah, it yeah. was. Okay. I mean, we we had a few of those, but yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, we, we we don't have a lot to play. We do. We... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, actually, I will ask before I get to mine. Two thousand and nine oh. Clash Guernsey, oh. the, oh. the Thunderbolt. The white yeah. with the teal back. Yeah. I yeah. was a fan. Oh, well. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Oh, Thank I don't you. know. I don't know. I think they're on a much better... Uh, I like the design now far better than what we used to have to wear. <laughs> I mean, the old... Re- the old, the old like, first first ever Guernseys back in, you know, late 90s. Yeah. 
Mm. I don't mind those. And I know we've worn them a couple of times as a as a sort of salute to the past, but happy to bring those ones back. But there's plenty of Guernseys I wouldn't bring back. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I uh, agree with that. Just quickly, Port Adelaide scoreboard. Oh, wow. That's, that's a clock, bruv. <laughs> scoreboard clock. <laughs> a double up. That's great. You've still so got the clock. That's oh no, collector's edition. You know, just yeah, I've got, storing I've it got away. mine up on the wall. That will be for um, will be for when I get my house in the next fifteen years. Oh yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> on the wall. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> Great one. Um, all right, let's do quick fire questions, Hardo, mm. because I think we're very enticed to see what Nick Lower is tasting. He's already got a nice beer there, so uh, that's yeah. a good start. The kids are down, so time to have one. <laughs> Yeah, the kids are down and Nick Lowers up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's get straight into quick fire questions. Nick Lower, are you ready? Ready as I can be, I believe. All right, so if we'll start with your favorite TV show. Uh, well, the one I'm watching right now is, and it's escaped me. Well, I just finished Vikings. Vikings is right up there for me. Mm. Yeah, oh, I agree. I like that show. Uh, your go to karaoke song? Oh. Um, gee, I'm just trying to think what my wedding song was because that's the one. Oh, like, oh God. Oh, you you might want to remember that one. I hope my wife doesn't watch this. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to come back. Can I pass? Yeah, we'll pass and we'll come yeah, back. We'll It'll cut. come back to me. But yeah, there's a song and it was in my wedding. Maybe Logs will remember from my wedding. <laughs> the wedding song. I'll come yeah, my back. wedding song. I'll come. I'll let, if I can't remember, I'll let you know. All right, done. Uh, your favorite Simpsons character? Oh, Bart Simpson. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, your favourite p- flavoured potato chip? Uh, light and tangy. Oh. Ben's light That's and tangy. Very good. I don't know what it was. Anytime I used to get be sick at home from school, my mum would buy me light and tangy chips. So I don't know <laughs> the psychology there because it just enticed you to stay home. But, um, <laughs> yeah, hard to beat a light and tangy. Light and tangy. Uh, your go-to Mario Kart character? I was always a Mario man. No. Yeah, yeah always. Yeah. yeah, just a straight up, you know. It's almost like he had pace more yeah. than the rest. It was just. Yeah, I must say, I had a few good wins as the princess, but. Um, <laughs> Each. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. And lastly, the most important question this will be adjudged of how you perform on the podcast. What's your favorite shapes flavor? Oh, I'm a pizza shape man. Oh. Are you a barbecue, are you? I'm yeah, I'm getting crimpy and ant oh, barbecue. Oh, don't tell me you're a crimpy man. Oh. <laughs> Yuck. Big crimpy man. Love oh, crimpy. Man. My wife's a crimpy girl. And, oh, yes. It, cost her, it could cost her a marriage, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how myself and the missus work as well. She's barbecue, so. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, I think it's interchangeable. Pizza and barbecue. I think I'd have to say I've probably had more pizza shapes in my life, so, so I'll leave so that rest- way, but. You know, it's a 60-40 decision. So the respect's there for barbecue. (laughs) There's no respect for crimpy whatsoever. No, zero respect for crimpy. (laughs) I think I've had one one biscuit in my life, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that a lot. All right, uh, let's go into obscure Port Adelaide players. This is where we mentioned players that have been uh, around the club, they've played 100 games or less, and they deserve a bit more love than they give. How do I kick us off? Oh, see, the funny thing is now, it's going to be one of um, Nick's mates. Yeah, <laughs> no, actually, yeah, probably. Probably. 
played um, 87 games for Port Adelaide. Um, the crow killer, he was called, uh, Matty Thomas. Oh, yeah. God, Matt, he's hard to go by. Did very yeah. well, Matt, when he and, you know, went on to Richmond to play 100. It was a, it was a well-fought 100 for Matt. Mm, Well-deserved, too. We loved watching Matty Thomas. He was always Absolutely. a hard nut. So, yeah. The wrecking ball. The wrecking ball. <laughs> he killed a lot of Crows players in his time. He did. <laughs> Matty, so um, yeah, he, no, put, he, my... put, um, he put Tommy Logan's brother in law down, big Trent Henschel. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we spoke to Tommy about that. It was bad. I was right behind, I think Tommy might have been as well, but I was right, like right behind that. Look, it was horrible. Oh, yeah, now Trent's gross. the club. Yeah, <laughs> weird how it all happens. I oh, know. Uh, Nick, your uh, obscure port player, have you got one in mind? Uh, I've got a few in mind. Big Brucey Willits oh. comes to mind, but I reckon Oi. Tommy Logan would have said that maybe. Tommy, uh, Daniel Stewart. Daniel Stewart. Oh, Daniel Stewart, yeah. Dan Stewart. Big, big Snowy, um, who, who, who's a great mate. Uh, Noodles, Elijah Ware. Yeah, we had yes. him. I think yeah. we had him for, um, you mentioned him on Tommy's pod, was he? Yeah. yeah, no, yeah. Something yeah. like that, I think. Or Dom, yeah, one of the two. Yeah, I mean, there's there, there's plenty of great ones. Um yeah, my, my, most of my draft, I'm trying to think. Um, Tim Luby, rookie, didn't play a game. Oh, uh, I don't know if you remember Lubes. He lived with Alapade for a while. Um, but there's plenty of great great people that have passed through the club that unfortunately mm. haven't made it to the triple digits. But, um, yeah, plenty of good people. That's who we mine, love. Mine was going to be, actually, he was part of your draft, Jonathan Giles. Oh, Joffa. We were yeah. talking about Joff the other day. He's... Um, Happily married man with a little one, but he's, uh, I mean, what a great journeyman in the end. Uh, mm. I remember, you know, yeah, I still remember the images of him when we first got drafted and he was such a beanpole, but fast forward to when he got a handle on on, on life and, and you know, how to get big and it, gee, he was a monster of a bloke, mm. monster of a bloke. Probably the other one that springs to mind that was our draft that um, I really reckon could have been an amazing talent was Hugh Minson. Will Minson's yep. brother. Oh, and, Hugh. and Hugh Hugh came to the club with knee injuries. And, you know, he, it's amazing that he actually got drafted. His knee was shocking. But the things he did for, you know, almost seven-foot bloke was unbelievable. Mm, yeah, yeah, I remember when he retired. I was fucking shit. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame because I, I, I've seen some of his raw talent. He was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, we had a few big blokes actually go through the club at that time. and We did. I mean, Duluga as well. Big fabs, yeah. Yeah, Big KFC man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love. What did, I know what Fab, I wonder how many games Fab's played. Not enough. He he, he he could have been the backbone of any club. I reckon. I reckon he played twelve off the top of my head. Yeah, I reckon. I was going to say I reckon he played less than twenty. Yeah, oh, there, there it is. Eleven. Eleven. 11. <laughs> there you go. You're close. Yeah, almost. <laughs> yeah, almost. Uh, All right, let's go into our uh, final but big. Segment. This is everyone's favourite. It's called Better Sour, where we talk about our favourite Stephen Salopek moments. And Salopek finishes it. And Nick Lower, have you got a story about Stephen Salopek for us? Well, I mean, the, the the only one that comes to mind is I think I alluded to it earlier. I was um, I was Troy Chaplin's groomsman in his wedding, and and it um, I was really good mates with 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 Chappie and you know one of those blokes that oh, we actually shared lockers next to each other, so we spent a lot of time together. But I think a face value Sal probably would have been perceived as Chappie's closest mate. They're good mates, and uh, I remember Chappie sort of saying, you know, asking me to, to to be part of his wedding, which is you know not expected and 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 certainly uh, 
a really nice privilege. But I just assumed that Sal was a groomsman as well. <laughs> and, oh. <laughs> and I think, I again, like it was over a couple of beers. And, and Chappie actually asked me to be his groomsman after he'd had a few beers. So I still remember the next day thinking, did he really mean that or not? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I went over to Sal. I was like, oh, mate, you know, we'd be groomsman at Chappie's wedding. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, you're not a groomsman? He's like, no. Nah. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> But um, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, Sal, it's funny how your sort of wires cross as you move away from footy. I mean, Sal's in commercial real estate as well, and um, he works well in big, big four companies, and so do I. So it's been funny to watch his progression through sort of the industrial stuff that he does, and 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 what I do now. So we we stay in touch from time to time. But um, you know, there's uh, I'm sure I've got plenty of other. I've certainly got plenty of sooking stories about Sal. Oh, um, I'm... <laughs> I was going to say, Sal, Sal, Sal would laugh at me saying that, but um, he's a great, he, he's such a great player. I mean, in terms of kicking abilities, and I think the one, the one thing that um was probably the benefit of playing at so many clubs is you get such a diverse range of skill sets. Um, and I mean, Sal's right up there as one of the best kicks of the footy you'll ever see. Um, the other one's Duffy from um from from Freo. Mm. Duffy was just an unbelievable yeah. kick and, and Dewey, but yeah, Sal's skills were sublime, but um, he was always good for being the, uh, the butt of many people's jokes, that's for sure. We love Sal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's hard absolutely. not to. It's hard not to. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Sal's terrific. Uh, Hutto, any final thoughts, mate, before we finish up? I do have a question that I do actually want to bring back up that we, I think we asked Bobby Carlisle and haven't asked anybody else. So we usually get the question of like, who was the hardest player to ever play on while you played? Yeah. Well, do the 180. Who was the easiest player you ever played on? Well, it's going to have to be Chappie because we got Brownlow votes on him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's unfair. But no, look, I mean, there's not too many hard, there's not too many easy ones, is there? But, um, <laughs> Yeah, it was nice to have a day where he wasn't quite reading the ball properly, so it sort of fell my way. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's awesome. I think I think Bobby said it was like, oh yeah, buddy was easy. <laughs> he just went through like the best key forwards. Ah, uh, no, no. It's uh, yeah. I, the, the, unfortunately, I had a period of time where um, you know, to get a role in the midfield at, at Freo, was, we sort of played like a pseudo tag role. So I, I managed to play most of the top midfielders back in that period and um yeah i can tell you it's not fun having to <laughs> stick close to a gary abler or a patrick dangerfield or you know whoever it might be it's um you know i would tag bokey one night and that that certainly wasn't wasn't easy so yeah there's plenty of good ones you can have it oh shit oh, but honestly nick fantastic. thank you so much for um coming on the pod it's been an absolute joy and it was a joy watching you play as well um even Thanks. if you didn't play in the 07 grand final, the <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. It's uh, it's certainly you know nice to relive many of those memories, and uh, certainly a very special place in my heart, the Port Adelaide Football Club. So um, you're doing a great job, and thanks again for having me. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate it.